Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated skincare. And today I have my good friend Kate Deering back on the podcast to talk about all things perimenopause. Welcome back to the podcast, Kate. Always a pleasure to be here, Kitty. <laughs> ah. Always a pleasure to have you on. We always yeah. have a good chin wag before and then we're like, fuck, we better record the podcast, otherwise we're going to run out of time. Yeah, it happens every single time. And sometimes we have things planned and then we change our mind and then, you know, like today we yep. we talk about one thing and then we thought, no, let's talk about perimenopause because a lot of the women that we work with are going through this stage of life and they're experiencing weight gain, especially around their middle, you know, brain fog, night sweats. Uh, they just, you know, feel like they keep gaining weight and they don't know what to do. And then, you know, they go and try all these crazy diets, like the low carb and they cut out sugar and yeah, it's interesting. I talk, yeah. I talked to a yeah. lady yesterday. She's, well, she actually signed up to our program. She's 43, I think, you know, having experience, starting to experiencing these perimenopausal issues and she did this crazy diet where she lost 17 kilos in two months what I was, was like, it I, I, I don't can't remember I think it was just like drastic she what was it, it was don't eat clinic. anything she went pretty much it's the eat fuck all starve yourself like a skinny bitch diet <laughs> yep okay and uh yeah she lost the weight but then she regained 10 kilos and then mm-hmm. she all her symptoms got worse totally. and she just felt so frustrated and exhausted and said, I just, I don't know what to do. And she'd come across me and she's like, then I see you eating ice cream and sugar and carbs and telling me that I can eat all these things and improve my symptoms and lose weight. Mm -hmm. So you can just see why it's such a head fuck for women. Yeah. And, and what we have to understand is we have to eat the, what is workable within our current physiology, right? So your current physiology now can consume all those foods and they work for you and you can eat a mass variety of different things and you feel great. Obviously, if you are symptomatic and have all these symptoms, these perimenopause symptoms, then then you have to start slow within the process of trying mm-hmm. to be able to do that. But you can. Um, it, it's just going to take time for your system to adapt. And also women that are entering that phase and are starting to become, as we talked about, they start to become glucose intolerant, right? So these are the same women that are starting to see higher blood sugar numbers. Their A1C is starting to elevate. Their morning fasting blood glucoses are elevating. Maybe Kate, just tell people or women who are listening, what is that? Because they might not know what A1C is. Yeah. So A1C is like an understanding of maybe the last 90 days of what your blood sugar is doing. So it gives you like this average of what is going on in your, in your blood sugar. Um, and obviously most, some people take A1C and then, but most, if you get some labs done, they're always going to take your fasting blood, blood glucose. So it's how your body is responding in the morning. Mm -hmm. What we see as, as people become more stressed or they don't respond appropriately, um, Mm -hmm. you start to see their morning blood sugars rise, even though they're not eating. So Mm -hmm. we definitely know that your blood sugar can elevate without food because we start to see it in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason essentially that's happening is your body is, going through a stress response at some point in time and your stress hormones are always, let's, let's just wind it back. Stress hormones are there essentially to make sure that your body can regulate blood sugar, period. They're there to break down tissue. They're there to 
release glycogen. They're there to release fat. All there essentially so that you can regulate and still feed yourself when you don't have food. That system gets interrupted um, the more you get in it. So as you age and have more years on this planet, you tend to go into that stress physiology more often or quicker, specifically women do, because women just tend to be more sensitive to stress in their mm -hmm. physiology. And so, and because in their history, they're usually prone to trying to diet, to try to get to some unreasonable body composition. And they usually do it by, you know, not eating or extreme exercise or whatever. So every time they do that to their system, they're pushing themselves into a stress physiology, right? A weight loss, calorie restrictive diet is always going to push you into trying to get energy from your own system. And so the more you do that over time, that the more times that your body's going to go into that stress physiology, which will, will create you to be more sensitive over time mm -hmm. so that it doesn't take you as much to be pushed into that physiology or into the fact that you're just kind of living in that physiology. And when you're living in that stress physiology, you just will not respond to glucose mm -hmm. as well. Can you just, um, before we dive into it, mm. just a quick lesson for the women that are listening, what is perimenopause? You know, what time frame is it usually and what's actually happening in your body? Well, it could be 10 years prior to when you're hitting menopause and you're basically, you are getting older and the ovaries are basically not producing your, or you're not ovulating as often. And your body's going to start having hormonal shifts because now the ovaries are not going to be producing the same amount of hormones, specifically progesterone. So you're going to start getting these irregularities. So your body's going to, as they refer to, start becoming more estrogen dominant, where you're going to have more estrogen production than progesterone because you, A, you might be not ovulating as often, or when you are ovulating, you're not producing enough progesterone, or you're having a period and you're not even ovulating. And that becomes erratic as you go, kind of go through perimenopause to the point where you hit menopause. And we define menopause as essentially one year of not having your period. There are no labs that you should take to tell you that you're in menopause. It's never suggested to do labs. Maybe sort of probably some functional medicine doctors that will tell you to do that. But ultimately, menopause is when you do not have your period for one year period. And at that point in time, uh, we would consider you in menopause. Some women will have symptoms for 10 years prior to menopause. Some women will have symptoms 10 years post-menopause. Some women will not. In my experience, those that are more regulated, meaning they're not in that stress physiology as often or as long or so forth, tend to have a better experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we have to account for because that's what's triggering all of this kind of irregularities, right? And th those are the women that maybe have had PMS all their life. And just thought that that was normal. And they were basically given uh, birth control pills to control the symptoms of PMS or a variety of different reasons, right? But none of that is normal. And if you're having a period of regularity and so forth, it's, it is a sign that your body isn't regulating properly. Mm -hmm. They always refer to your period as your fifth vital sign. So we can look at it and say, are you having regular periods? Uh, it, are you having a lot of PMS? Are you having a lot of cramping, heavy bleeding, all of those symptoms? And if those are happening, then we know that the, your body isn't either getting enough energy or nutrients or both. And that's why that system isn't operating effectively. And can you talk, just touch on a little bit about um, 
you know, so I think there's a big misconception that, you know, perimenopause and menopausal symptoms are caused by a lack of estrogen. So, you know, like women will go to the doctor and they'll be like, oh, take the pill or take HRT and take estrogen. That is, and again, not a doctor here, just my own research and certainly reading a lot of how Dr. Pete kind of interprets this information. Once you stop having your period, your ovary hormones, they basically go to zero. And that's primarily where you're producing most of your estradiol. When you go into menopause, the primary estrogen hormone you produce is estrone. Um, however, in a stressed body, we can produce estrogen in basically all of our tissues, specifically our fat tissue. And when we're under stress, we produce more of an enzyme called aromatase. And that aromatase can turn some of your androgen hormones like testosterone into estrogen. But ultimately, we can ha start having a lot more estrogen in our tissues as we get older and go through menopause than we did previously. It's just being produced differently. It's no longer being produced by your ovaries. So if we look at total body estrogen levels and considering the tissues, it's not that you necessarily have a decrease in estrogens. It's just coming from different places. What you definitely have a decrease in is progesterone. So progesterone is more of the stabilizing and uh, progestation protective hormone. And that does definitely decrease. And that's where women start having a lot of irregularities and problems or postmenopausal or in menopause or premenopause. But it's not just that. And I don't want to isolate just that system because your fertility system where your ovaries and uterus and everything are, they are within your body, which is the environment that they're reacting to. And when your body is under stress, because nothing in your body works independently, all the systems are communicating with each other. And when that happens and your body is under stress, then that system is going to get affected. And what we do in medicine is we just see a symptom and then we give a medicine to get rid of the symptom. And we don't ever address what's going on in the body that's creating that problem. We do it with everything. We have high blood sugar, we give you something to decrease blood sugar. We have high blood pressure, we give you something to decrease blood pressure. You have high cholesterol, and all of those are just symptoms of a bigger problem. They're not directly a problem themselves, but that's how we see them. It's so, I think though, we all just want the quick fix. Like, of course, it would be great if we could just take a tablet and everything would be better and all of our symptoms would be gone and we'd have this, mm -hmm. we'd lose all the weight. But I think it's, much more difficult to look at your life and realize that you have to make some serious changes to how you're eating, how you're living, you know, it might be your relationships or your work. Um, you know, and you and I have talked about this so much in uh, older podcasts, previous podcasts that stress, like you can be doing everything right with the training and the nutrition and the supplementation, but then you might have this ongoing emotional or mental stress in the background. So that's still stress. So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's a holistic approach, right? Like looking at, uh, at everything. And I think though, like the training and nutrition are like low hanging fruit, the things that are pretty easy. Well, I say easy. I think they're pretty, I think they're pretty, pretty easy. Like, you know, it's more difficult if you've got this, you're in this bloody toxic relationship, you can't just get up and, well, you probably could get up and leave, but it's more difficult to, um, you know, remove, uh, remove that stress. But I think, yeah, a lot of women, they have to make some serious lifestyle changes, to actually see results? Well, 
Look, I think, I mean, when you look about, okay, your body is coming to, into the world, which is the environment of your body, right? And then your cells are in the environment of your own physiology and your body and everything's communicating and you respond to your environment outside of you. Mm -hmm. And then the cells and your systems are responding to the environment within you, but they're all correlated and they're mm -hmm. all having that same kind of, you know, everything's kind of communicating with each other. And right now our world is kind of nuts and crazy. And, you know, and so I think everybody's physiology kind of responds to that. But if they don't know how to mitigate some of these things, right? Before, when I grew up, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet. I mean, I found old, but I don't, we didn't have anything like that, right? We had four TV stations and basically there were like three fast food places. And, you know, we, we things were, I guess, simpler that, that, that I can hear like my mom talking to me right now, but, but we didn't have to choose all these boundaries because there just wasn't anything available to have to have us do that. Now, because there's so much available and so many things that you can distract yourself with, if you don't have really good boundaries, you are going to get destroyed because you're going to be just being affected by social media and TV and all these things constantly. And I see it in young people right now that that's what's happening to them. And I'm like, you've got, and so they've got to learn very early on to set these boundaries. And of course, setting boundaries takes energy, time, maturity, so forth. And so it's all kind of affecting everyone. And so the, the point being is to that is that like, there's so much more that can affect us in today's world. And so there mm -hmm. is, with that said, there's so many things you can do that can help you with your physiology and improve kind of your internal state, whether mm -hmm. that's like we talked about, like getting off things that are going to be triggering to you, right? If mm -hmm. that thing's triggering you, get, get, get away from it. Don't watch the news, get, get off social media. And I can tell you the times that I, I work with clients and I'm like, tell me about your morning routine. And they're like, I wake up and I look at my phone. And I start scrolling. I'm like, okay, we're no longer doing that. Like, can you, can you not do that for 30 and look, days? I've totally done that. I get into that habit too. And then I'm like, fuck you. Totally. Like stop doing yeah. that shit. You know? Yeah. And like these little things, like, and they're just little. And because I think everybody's looking for the, the, the thing, the pill, the magic, mm -hmm. right? I like, you can listen. They're like, I'll go and get in a tank of cold water for 20 minutes and freeze my ass off. And I'm like, just don't look at your cell phone in the morning. Like so much easier, right? Yes, I think a lot of the times it's about doing less, not more. Sometimes, sometimes doing the the right, focusing the right things. And but sometimes I think it, it's too easy. Like I'm like just don't be on your phone all day, and that will give you, that will make you feel so much better. But like, yeah. but they wanted me to tell them, look, you need to go into a, a cold water, you know, yeah, freeze yeah, yourself yeah. off, and you need, you know, do something super chat. I mean, crazy. And because you see these people doing it and I'm like, just get off your phone, right? Yeah, just yeah, have yeah. a better morning routine. And, but, but people are so like an addictive in their behavior and they just, mm. you know, like don't that they can't stop doing their like habitual routine because it does take energy to shift, but sometimes mm. it's something really easy that can make you feel so much better. And so getting just back to how women feel again, like, again, women are just more sensitive to stress. That's just their physiology. Mm. And because, so with that said, you have to be more careful with your boundaries. You have to understand, look, there's things you can just take off your plate that shouldn't hopefully affect you that much that will make you feel better. And they're easy decisions. And when you understand that there are things that can just help you that you can like either remove or add, right. I always mm. have two two sides. You can either remove and add things that are going to help you or, and then the other side is you put all the things on there that are not going to help you. Mm. And so 
when you, when, and what you're basically looking for is some level of balance. So if you're super healthy and everything's going well, you can literally stack a bunch of shit on the other side and you'll still be fine. Right? You can handle a lot. And in fact, some of those things, like you can do super hard training and you'll progress and that'll actually make you better. But if you, that same individual that was having a bunch of symptoms and wasn't feeling well and wasn't sleeping well, they did a super hard training. It would just crush them and they would get worse. Right. So they can, people can look at you and go, look at all the things she's doing. Like she can eat a bowl of ice cream and, you know, 3000 calories. I mean, you've shown me some of your daily diets for it. I'm like, that's a lot of food and it works for you. And you, you work with that, but that took time for you to build up. Of course. Of course. That that didn't happen overnight. And you look at the women who come into our program too, you know, we, we get them to track their food and start them where they're at. And then, you know, they gradually, as their symptoms improve, they'll start training, they'll start doing more as they're feeling better. So you're right. It's like a, it's like a gradual process. Yeah. And sometimes it's just taking accountability for the craziness in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like I will have people write down, like, tell me all the stressors are going on in your life right now. And then people are like, Holy cow, I can't believe how much shit. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. what can we either remove or reduce? Is there anything? And then we take a few things off, right? And my philosophy is always about doing the least amount and getting the most result. Like, yeah, I don't want to do a million things and get a result. I want to do- I'm like that with things. the training, Kate. I want to do totally. the least amount of training and get the best result. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, I, and I think that's a good philosophy. And so that way people don't feel overwhelmed. I'm like, look, we're only going to do four things and we'll see how we do. And they, if you get 10% better, cool. Is that enough? Or do you want to keep going? Okay, so then let's make a few more decisions. Because normally what happens as you start to feel better, you have more space and energy to do the additional things. And then those additional things aren't actually stressful anymore. They actually help you. They actually make you stronger or better. But you have to kind of layer it and know kind of where to get into it and where to move through the process. But it's, a, you know, I know we're kind of steering away from the whole perimenopause, but it's just no different with that. The women, women just have a, a series of symptoms that occur to them when the body's under stress. And it looks like perimenopause. Essentially, your body is now becoming uh, less sensitive to stress or sorry, more sensitive to stress. You're coming more glucose intolerant because that's what a stress physiology does. The reason for it is because when you get into that stress physiology, those stress hormones, again, are trying to regulate your blood sugar and they start breaking down tissue or glycogen. But they're always they're also dumping fat into your blood. Always, always, always when that happens. And so the more you start doing it, everyone's like, well, that's good. You're you're dumping fat into my blood. I'm losing some fat. Well, that works initially for body fat loss until it doesn't because that fat loss is a stress physiology. So the more you keep pushing yourself into that cycle, then you become less able to handle the glucose when you do take it in because what happens is you start having more fat in your blood long term. And we've always talked about that in the sense of the Randall cycle, but when you have that excess amount of fat in the blood that will start inhi- start inhibiting glucose getting into the cell and which will result in higher blood sugars. Mm. And so for a lot of people, like reducing their fat is super helpful, or it's reducing their carbs for a certain amount of time until you can improve other things like their gut, GI, so forth, um, that will help them be able to tolerate glucose better. Mm. But it is a process and you do need to try to reduce the stressors on your system. So you don't keep doing it. And that's why things like niacinamide or aspirin have always been recommended because they actually inhibit fat being dumped into the blood. Well, let's talk about then what are some things that women in perimenopause can do? Um, Potentially, I guess the things that like we do in our program and you 
teach people as yeah. well. So maybe like I think one really important thing is could this just just maybe think of this is a woman um messaged me on Instagram. I think she's in our seven day challenge and she said, Oh, I'm a power lifter. I'm like 84 kilos and I have just started tracking my food and I'm always hungry <laughs> and I'm not sleeping and I'm eating. I've just tracked my food and realized like some days I'm under eating, like I'm not eating enough protein and my fat and carbs go up and down. I've been averaging, you know, like 1600 calories. Do you think I should up my calories? I said, I definitely think you should eat more food. And I think you should, you know, like how I would do it is, you know, set your calories and macros plan ahead, you know, consistently, you know, eat whatever the meal frequency is going to suit you. It might be four or five meals, you know, get into that habit of eating enough protein, carbs, and fat and balancing your blood sugar. And then you can really test and go, I mean, I think she probably still needs to eat more food, but you know, women, you don't want to, if they go ham, they're a bit scared to eat more. And, you know, if you eat too much, you're going to gain more weight, but what I usually find with women is that they don't track their food. They under eat, they don't eat enough protein, they overeat fat, then they binge eat, they end up binge eating. So, you know, I think one really helpful thing is just start tracking your food, like track it for a week. Like Kate and I always talk about this, Hey, and see where you're at, you know, like. I, uh, I, I always tell myself, cause I, I've been tracking again. Cause I go back and forth with it. Probably the same thing mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I literally will tell myself, I like, I tell, I go, I always say when I start doing it, I go, I love tracking. Yeah. I love it. And, and I yeah. just look at it as data. Cause a lot of people don't like tracking and they're like, Oh my God, it's annoying. And usually I don't like it because it's new to them and they don't get it. And I don't know why yeah. they're doing it. And I get that, but it really is like your own nutrient detective as I like to refer to it because it tells you so much information about what you're doing and and how you're progressing and what foods are not working and working for you so it to me yes that's definitely something that's helpful but you know in the sense of like when women are perimenopause and let's just say they are starting to become glucose intolerant because that's super common Mm -hmm. and they stop and that's why so many women are pushed into low carbohydrate diets because they do feel better because they're like, oh, I started losing some weight. Because if you are starting to become glucose intolerant, it's like every time you eat carbs, you feel like you're gaining weight. And mm-hmm. you might be because your body is not using the, the carbohydrates any longer. It's just storing them. So that could be possible that that's happening to you. So then the question is, well, didn't, shouldn't you just avoid carbohydrates? And no, that's also not the answer. But it could be eating them strategically, certainly around times that maybe in the morning when we know that you might store them at a better rate or that you're going to start using them through the day, certainly eat them around times where you're working out if you do work out. So earlier on in the day could be a time that you might utilize more carbohydrates at the time. Certainly checking your temperature and pulse is really, really good because a lot of people that become glucose intolerant too, I always find that they're kind of waking up in that stress physiology. So they might wake up with a really hot body temperature and then they eat Mm. and then that body temperature drops. And so Mm. we have to get them out of that stress physiology. So it might be slowly incorporating carbohydrates, but depending on why they're glucose intolerant, because if you have a really dysfunctional digestive system and you're Mm. producing a lot of endotoxin, that can also disrupt how well your body is utilizing glucose. So you might be, you know, uh, looking at their digestive system and going, okay, if, if you're not, if you're constipated or you got SIBO or you got any sort of dysbiosis going on in your GI, then we need to address that. And so it could be removing any hard to digest foods, including the starch, including grains, including even potatoes for that individual. Do you know what I like? And I think there's, you know, like with people, there's ranges of how fucked up they are. 
Yeah. You know, like totally. for a lot of, for a lot of like maybe not 80%, 90% of the women that come in, they're fucked up. But if they just do the basic stuff, like, you know, like I'll, I'll ask them, what have they been eating? They might've been eating a lot of like grains or like shitty processed carbohydrates. And when they actually, you know, let's say they set their calories at 1900 and they're getting adequate protein and they start to, you know, they balance their blood sugar from morning to night and they focus on root vegetables and fruits and saturated fat and salt. So many of their issues just disappear. Like with just doing that, I'm not saying that for everyone, like there's obviously nuances and, and, you know, cause I think some women will listen to this and be like, Oh my God, this is so complex. And where do I even start? And, you know, I think you, you can get such good results by just focusing on the basics first and then you can dig a bit deeper, sure. you know, cause like they just get so overwhelmed and, you know, like a lot of, when, when I get them to just go, all right, look, what do you like to eat off the food list? Like what fruits do you like? Do you like potato? You know, what meats do you like? What dairy do you like? And we build out a nice meal plan for them that, that's enjoyable. You know, they're having their breakfast, then they're balancing, they're eating every three to five hours, you know, and then they're like, wow, Kitty, I have more energy. You know, I'm able to eat these carbohydrates. You know, it's, it's, it's and I'm not saying that, you know, like, like you say, there's people that are more fucked up that once they do the basics, they need to do other things on top of that. But it is pretty, I think, amazing how much mm. you can achieve by focusing on those foundations first and not overcomplicating it and getting so stressed. You know, like I think sometimes you can go down the rabbit hole. I, I do. And, and it could be probably because I, we probably deal with different clientele. Yeah. You, you, I think like, and I've referred people to you. I'm like, look, you mm. probably need to work with Kate. Like go, go check out Kate. Yeah, even though I'm like, read her book, but then she's not taking on any bloody clients. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time they're like, right. oh, I emailed her kitty and she's not taking any bloody clients. She's pretty busy, Kate. But yeah, but, yeah, like, but I would, I would agree yeah. with you. That's always the best place to start. Yeah. Always yeah. just do the basics. And, but, yeah. and, but, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure that you see, cause when I see it was with a lot of women that, you know, they'll sometimes start eating the basics, but then all of a sudden they're eating too many calories, yes. too much yes. fat. Too yep. much everything. And so that can make you worse. Is totally. the line. And that's Especially why the, tracking... the reference. Yeah. yeah. And that's where yeah. the glucose intolerance part, because if they're not yeah. glucose intolerant, then yeah. they can eat a little bit more and not be as mm. uh, affected. But if they already are, and maybe they know it or not, but mm. if they start e- eating a lot of these foods and they are already really glucose intolerant, then mm. they react by gaining weight quite quickly. And yeah, those again, are the people- I think- the tracking, yeah. like that's why it's important because so many of these women come in and I ask them like, well, have you been tracking your food? No. Well, then you have no idea how much you're eating. Once I actually start tracking and then, you know, like you say, like you are where you are right now. So if you eat 500 more calories every day than your body can actually utilize, you're going to gain weight. So I think it's important to see where you're at to begin with and then start there. Yeah. And, and I would say, hmm. 50, 60% of people will just do this, the basic stuff, eat better, eat the right foods, and balance their meals, and mm. that'll be it for them. Mm. And that will mm. improve. And then there's going to be this whole other percentage that they try to do that, and they're going to come into roadblocks. And quite mm. honestly, that's why I started writing a second book to help them kind of steer into that direction. But mm. yes, I get that. And I think that is the basics and the foundation is just starting to eat these food, but with the understanding of have an have some understanding of how much energy you're consuming now mm. so mm. that when you change the foods that you're not over consuming, like just go, go in and, and again, watch a video of kitty eating ice cream and then go, I can eat ice cream yeah, every night. And then all of a sudden, why am I gaining weight? 
Kitty doesn't gain weight. She looks amazing. And I'm like, well, yeah, we have to understand your physiology. And if you're already having these sensitivities and what I'll say for the perimenopausal women, I'm like, look, if you're already either been told you have high fasting blood glucose or your A1C is getting into that pre-diabetic, you know, 5.5, 5.6 range, um, then you might be coming a little bit or if it's on a trajectory where it's slowly increasing over time and maybe you're seeing higher cholesterol numbers because they're starting to have some kind of metabolic uh, shifts in your your physiology, then you might need to be a little bit slower, more cautious or certainly work with somebody to kind of guide you through that space so that you don't overshoot it because this isn't your normal eating protocol. We're not just telling you to remove a macronutrient and then, or less mm. calories. And you're just mm. going to get a result because a lot of times that does certainly helps people feel better. You can feel better just by mm. eating less and so forth, but is it sustainable, right? To me, mm. it, a diet is, is only as good as it is sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, it. then don't do it. it. And I think again, like we always hammering home the data, the data. So like one thing we do in our coaching program, you actually work with someone one-on-one. They look at where you're at currently, where you want to be in terms of your health and your body composition goals. Um, and then, you know, we set the training, we set the nutrition and every week we measure what's happening. You know, what's your temp and pulse doing? What's your sleep, digestion, mood, energy cycle doing? You know, what's your body composition doing? Is your weight changing? Your measurements changing? So you can, it's like this little experiment. That's how I like to to explain it to clients where going, here's this, we're doing this great experiment. And then at the end of every week we go, what happened? And then we can actually make adjustments based on the data. So if we yeah. set your calories and macronutrient, all of a sudden you gain five kilos, which would never happen because we would, we're pretty good at, like we get it pretty close to start with, but we can then make small adjustments each week to refine it to figure out what's going to work best for your body, what's going to get you to your goals, you know, because like we, you know, like Kate and I, we eat similarish foods, but how much we eat is different, you know, the types of food, we might like something better than, you know, something else or something might digest better for me that doesn't digest well for Kate. So I think it's about, and you don't, you're not going to know that unless you actually put the work in and just, te- I always, I'm like you, I find it interesting. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a cool experiment. I'm just going to eat the food. I love tra- like measuring what happens with my body with, you know, when I lift the weights, how does my body composition change? How's my sleep affected? Like, I think if you can approach it as being more curious, um, like be curious instead of like, this is so fucking annoying. And I, I really think this helps to plan ahead. Like you just, you will fuck it up if you are in there every day, unless you're just doing like at the start, you're going to, I'm just going to track a week of what I eat and just see where I'm at to start with. But once you actually set something and test it, plan ahead. Like I, this week have just eaten the same breakfast, the same lunch, the same dinner, and I've rotated the snacks because I'm super busy, but it's at the moment, I'm just obsessed with spaghetti bolognese with rice noodles. I just feel like eating rice noodles with palms and cheese and mango because mangoes are, you know, they're available now breakfast is the same because I love it. And the night before I just do a little bit of food prep and I don't even have to think about it. Like I've got calls after this and then at 11, I just heat my lunch up. It's ready to go, you know? So I think then it's because the other thing too, I think is if you, if you're doing an experiment, if there's too many variables, you just don't know what the fuck to change because you just not be consistent. But if you can eat similar foods each week, you know, do your training, do your steps, sleep, whatever. And at the end of the week, you can go, okay, like you can see, you can actually collect accurate data and it just makes it way less stressful. And I think when you choose foods that you really love, you're not going to get sick of them in a few days. 
I don't think. I'm not saying eat the same thing every day for the rest of your fucking life. That would be boring. But. But I 100% agree with you. And we've always said this is that when, when you start kind of doing any process, it's like, look, pick one or two breakfasts, pick one or two lunch, pick one or two dinners. You know, maybe that one be harder if you have a family, but for the most part, eat the same things. And those are, cause they're easy to change and you're easy mm-hmm. to add and they're easy to manipulate to understand because we're trying, you're trying to understand the entire point of this is you're trying to understand how is your body responding to the variable of food and the different macronutrients you're going to get. So we want to, at least my goal is always to teach somebody more about their body and how they're responding. And I want people to get more in their bodies and become more aware. I don't want you to just be this observer and me telling you what to do. That's not going to happen. And I know you guys don't do that because when you, as I say, you teach someone to as a, teach someone to fish versus you just giving them a fish, right? Because now they can go away and now they can utilize that information in any sort of circumstance and situation and go, oh, you know, I'm, this is a completely, I'm on vacation now, but there's something really stressful happened and I can feel that my body's off. Oh, it's because I didn't eat, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you, those are the tools you want to be able to have. And so when we just go back to, again, perimenopause and we kind of see everybody wants to go, what is going on and what specifically is happening? And, oh my God, you know, my ovaries aren't producing eggs any longer. How's this happening? I'm like, I don't give a shit really about all that. It's about, look, if we can get the environment of your entire body to be more regulated and know that it has ample food available and we can get it to tolerate these foods better and we can get the GI function better, those things will just be normalized. Mm. And I know you've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if you do those things, they will just normalize without us specifically trying to have to get on hormone replacement or do all mm-hmm. these other things that, you know, people are doing to detoxify, blah, 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 blah. Just support the system. And I know it's boring and bland and, and whatever, but if you do those things, that system within your system will regulate. And we will always, we're always kind of zoning out versus zoning in. I think medicine is always about trying to be more specific and like, oh, we're just going to look at, you know, we're going to get a fertility doctor, or we're going to get an OGYN or, or whatever. Whereas I, we always like to look out and go, okay, how is your whole body and life doing? Because mm-hmm. that's going to relay how your, your whole, all your ovaries and everything are, they're responding and reacting to this, to, to how your body is responding, reacting to its environment. And when you start to understand that and you start to just regulate your system, other things will just correct themselves without mm. being as specific with that system. It's interesting. Um, Kitty Martone, you know, Kitty Martone. Yes. She's, yeah. She's cool. I just love her. She's, I always tell her how hot she is. I just think she's so beautiful. She's just really nice mm-hmm. as well. She's got mm-hmm. that cool gray streak through the front of her hair and she's mm-hmm. been doing our program mm-hmm. and um, I caught up with her for a chat this week and she was just saying how great it's been and how we've really just got her to focus on all the basics. Like, cause she's at one of those women who like us, Kate in the past, who would just under eat cause she didn't, uh-huh. wouldn't track her food properly. And, you know, she would just get busy with work. And she said, it's just been amazing how much eating enough, eating regular meals, going in strength training, doing my steps, how that's improved my sleep. And she did some tests, I think before, and then uh, some of Georgie's tests, I think. And she was just saying that, the her levels of hormones were so different like just actually eating enough mm-hmm. <laughs> was allowing her body to make the hormones um yeah. and you know it's i think women just get so confused like they're just not even focusing on the basics 
you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that there's no other things that you can do, but it's like focus on these basic things. First, we talk about track your food, eat adequate protein, you know, get enough of the right nutrients in the foods we talk about. The carrot salad is another good one to help with digestion and, um, you know, detoxification, uh, getting some sunlight, some steps, you know, sleep is a really important one. Um, and the strength training. Let's talk about the strength training because I, I feel that a lot of women don't value that enough and how like obviously everyone wants to fucking look better. Like, you know, that's all right. It's all right to want to look better. And I think muscle, well, I think muscle is going to, well, most women want to look toned, you know, so if you want to look toned, you got to build some more muscle. But can you talk about some of the health benefits, especially for women going through perimenopause and menopause and the benefits of strength training and having more muscle? Well, certainly in the context of a glucose tolerance, when you have more muscle, you tend to improve your glucose tolerance. So that alone, because your muscles are big storage organs for glycogen. So the more muscle you have, the more glycogen you can store. So that alone will help somebody's blood sugar levels, which I think is super important, but it's going to help structure. It's going to help mobility. It's going to help. Obviously you're going to look better. It's going to help more weight is going to also help with bone density um, strength training is going to help with bone density. And I mean, as you go into perimenopause, right when you hit menopause too, you have these drop in your bone density. And that's why estrogen is also promoted to help with bone density. Cause so they say that that's why you're having it. Cause you're having a drop in estrogen. Um, so, but what we also know is that women that have more muscle tissue and who also strength training have improved bone density. Plus you can still improve it um, postmenopausal by adding in strength training. So if women are actually focused on things like their bone density and that, then absolutely they need to be strength training because it's just one of the things that's going to help improve your structure. And I mean, you know, the last thing you want to do later in life is break a hip or break a bone or mm -hmm. break your, because right. We already know that I think if you break a hip, I think, I don't know if it's like 50%, I don't know what the number is. So don't quote me on this, but like, 18 months after you break a hip, people die. I don't know if it's 50% or so. It's a very high number because you just can't. Yeah. You have no mobility. You get really worried about movement at that point in time. You get really fair. you scared, you know, and as you age, you lose a percentage of your muscle tissue. Now, is that just because age does that? It's normally because we just become less active. You know, we do less. So we can do things to prevent that. Mm. And muscle is just a part of your body that has so many benefits outside of it just makes it, you look better, but mm -hmm. you're just going to be a healthier individual for so many reasons, glucose tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it, it helps with bone density. Um, it's just going to help you have better mobility. It's going to help you just feel stronger with everything you do. You're going to feel more secure for, and just better about yourself um, with more muscle. And it's fun. And it's empowering. I still love it. I'm going to be that granny at 80, you know, pulling the deadlifts, Kate, when I'm 80, yeah. being strong and jacked. Um, yeah. It's fun. And it's, 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 I think, you know, it's a skill like anything. And, you know, it can be intimidating when you first do it. But once you learn, you know, you've got that skill for life and you don't have to be in the gym. I mean, you can obviously train more if you want. I'm not saying that you can't train more. But, you know, a lot of women think that they have to train for hours and hours and hours, five, six days a week. And it's interesting, like when I have, I'll just talk to random people in our gym and uh, they'll often ask me how many days a week I train. And when I tell them three, they're just, wow, you only train three days a week and you look mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, you don't necessarily have to train more. Um, 
that's no, a and you know, topic. But, yeah, but, and they don't. You don't have to train as hard as Kitty does either. I mean, you love training and you want to go PRs constantly and and so forth. You know, I'm constantly. Like, like I don't constantly hit P. I don't ever think that I am in the gym every time hitting new numbers because I don't like not every weeks yeah. when I don't make progress. But I think I have reached certain strength milestones, which means that I have a certain amount of muscle because you need a certain amount of muscle to lift those weights. And you're right. Well, probably a lot of women don't want to look like me. Like they don't want to look as muscular as me. Um, but it's difficult. Like don't think you're going to pick up a weight and be like, fuck, I'm just going to look like Kitty and be quite yeah. muscular. Well, I don't even think it's physicality. I just think that, you know, I mean, women are like, do I need to go in and just squat like hundreds of pounds? I'm like, no, mm. I, you don't, you can get benefits by starting with your body weight and that's yeah. going to benefit you. And then as that progresses, you can add, and then you can decide but ultimately you want to be able to do these motions and you want to be able to load. It's going to mm. only benefit you. And no, you're not going to become huge. It's just not, you just don't have it's the difficult. physiology. Yeah. Do you yeah. do it? I think where most women get frustrated is because if they have some level of body fat on them, when they start building muscle, the muscle is being built under your body fat. So yeah. you might get bigger in size before you get smaller. And so then they get frustrated. I'm like, look, we need to build more muscle because that's going to help you long-term, right? And then, yeah. you, then you can try to lose some body fat, but you want to build the muscle underneath. So you might have to go through a period where feel, things might feel a little bit bigger, maybe, mm. or but, not, because you yeah. might, you might yeah. lose a little bit of body fat at the same time. But I certainly see that sometimes. Like they, you mm. know, they just, like, I feel like, look, you're, <laughs> you, when you have more muscle, you have more glycogen in your tissue, you have more water in your tissue. So- yeah. That I think that's in, important why you've got to track all of these, like track the measurements, look at photos, look at your weight, track your nutrition adequ- uh, accurately. Like a lot of women that come into our program, we're trying to re-educate them and say, okay, yes, you like, for example, if you're 70 kilos and 35% body fat, you're actually under muscled, you know, okay, yes, you want to lose some body fat, but what you really need to do is put on some muscle. So often we'll just sit them at maintenance calories for a while so that they can- yeah have the energy to build muscle and also improve a lot of their symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then when they've got more muscle, so it's body recomposition, then they might do a fat loss phase. So they've got more muscle, they're more resilient to stress, they've improved their symptoms, then it's time to diet. And I think for a lot of women that can be difficult because they're like, I just want to see the number going down on the scales. But the thing is, if you just go and diet when you haven't built the muscle, you're just going to end up in the same place as you were before. You probably, your symptoms aren't going to get better. You're not going to look as good. So I think it's, but it's a head fuck, I think for a lot of women, because they're so focused on the number and the scale. But if you do it this way, and if, you know, you can go to our website, you can look at some before and after photos, you're just going to look so much better. You're going to eat more food. You're going to feel better, you know, and you've, you'll, you'll have built this great foundation so that your results are sustainable for life without having to like flog the fuck out of yourself and eat fuck all calories to maintain this certain level of body fat or body weight. Yeah. Well, like your, your client that ate some crazy amount of food or not amount of food, you know, and lost a ton of weight in a short period of time. And you know, what we also know is when you do these rapid weight loss programs, you're also going to lose a much higher percent of muscle muscle tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're losing the very thing that's helping you have a a better metabolism. And and think about every time a woman does that. Right. And that's why a lot of the times when they do these programs, they lose a bunch of weight that certainly it's not sustainable, you know, and that's not your fault. It just isn't physiologically sustainable. 
and then you do gain on weight. And then because mm. your body composition has changed for the worse, now you put mm. on more weight. So now, even though you're may, or maybe even the same weight, but you have less muscle and more body fat. Mm. And so your, your metabolic rate is actually lower at this point in time. And then you do it again. And now you try to lose weight, but this time you can't lose as much, you know, but you lose some, and then you, you repeat this over and over and over again to the point where now you're in your forties and you have all your perimenopause symptoms. And now you want to lose some body fat, but you have mm. even less muscle tissue. You have more body fat. You try to do those crazy diets. They don't work because they could push you back in that stress metabolism. Mm. And now you're like, where do I go from here? Yeah. And now, now it's the time to readjust, completely change what you've been doing, unwind all of the, the problem. And it, now it's going to take time. Took you decades of that shit. Now you've yeah, got to you readjust. And build your dream no. body. Yeah, you got to give no. it, you got to give it time. But I think too, it's, you, you fund it, I think for a lot of women, and I was the same, going to Kate as well, you know, like we used to party heaps and drink and stay up all night and, you know, binge eat, whatever. So it, you're, you're actually, it's, it's changing who you are. So it's lifestyle habit changes and that shit's going to take time. You know, it's not like you get to the result and then all of a sudden you just go back to how you were, where you skip breakfast, you drink too much booze, you don't eat enough protein, you've got all this stress in your life. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to take time. And I think you got to sometimes give yourself some grace and know that you're going to fuck it up and you'll experience micro failures. And that's part of the process. You know, mm-hmm. and you've just got to pick yourself up and keep taking that consistent, imperfect action. And over time, you will things will improve. Um, All right. And it, yeah. No, I was going to say to you, <clears throat> you give me, I'll give you my, give me your top three things you would tell a perimenopausal person that's just starting what to do. Go. Okay. I think you need to track your food. You have to track your food. Like okay. if you're not tracking. Okay. One. Track your food. Um, strength train. Okay. Yep. And Two. I think maybe I was going to say that eating, don't cut sugar and carbs from your diet. Tra- actually track your food and make sure you're getting the right amount. Because I, I think, you know, like you talk about the glucose intolerance and I agree, but we get these women come in and when we get them to track their food, they're eating adequate protein. They can still eat some carbs and some sugar. And 100%. Yeah. It's just the right amount for them for where they're at at the time. Um, so yeah, maybe that all falls into the tracking the food. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 That's an action. Um, Yeah. The strength training. Oh, I've really got the last two is I really feel like a lot of women drink too much piss. Like they so much Mm. alcohol and I, and I'm Mm. like, that is just either cutting it back or cutting it out Mm -hmm. and sleep. That's good. Sleep, sleep. I think prioritizing sleep. I'm like, fuck, that's four. Yeah. I don't know. Well, if you don't drink, then prioritize the sleep. But still, you, everyone needs to prioritize sleep. I need four, Kate. All right. You can do four. <laughs> okay. And the sleep. Yeah. Stop drinking so much. Like, I get it. I love to drink too. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, I okay. I would I would agree with all that. On, on a dietary perspective, I would say, to be more specific, I would say uh, get 30 grams of protein in your breakfast. Mm. Um, carbs can be, you know, either the same amount or up to double, depending on your, how you're responding to them, but you get a good amount of protein. At least you're starting the day with, uh, some sustenance, you know, and how you start your day is to me, how you're going to respond to the rest of your day. And if you start your day with low calories, bury any protein, you know, crap food or whatever, then the rest of the day, you're going to be reacting to it. So work on your breakfast first. If you don't know what meal to start with, go to your breakfast, fix that. That's a good place to start. Um, <clears throat> then I would be 
get a carrot salad in just because mm. I'm all about the clean gut, right? All keep the gut, keep the small intestine clean. If you have any sort of bacterial or overgrowth, we we need to address it, right? I, I personally think 99% of people I work have gut, gut issues. So mm. at the very least, you can add a carrot salad in. It's very easy. Carrot, easy. coconut oil or olive oil and vinegar, so forth. Um, get that in. Like those are t- two very, very easy thing. And the other thing is make a list of all the things that kind of bring you stress mm-hmm. and find the things that you think you can reduce or remove mm-hmm. and do that. Those things, those three things or your, and your things, whatever for two or three weeks and then reassess because mm-hmm. if you're food logging too. And so you need to reassess, you know, every week, two weeks, a month, and see progress. And then if you had 10% progress, you weren't perfect. Awesome. Then you take the next step. But those would be good places to start to kind of account yourself to get into a better place. Because look, we want you to be healthy for the whole thing, like all of life so that you can deal with the messes and the and all the craziness because life is that way. And we want you to be able to go through it and feel better about it and not mm-hmm. feel like you're reacting to everything and feel crazy and, and worn out and fatigued. Cause that's, that's a tough place to be. And so if you're ready to kind of shift that, it's like, got to kind of shift it in your head too, but you got to get out of diet mentality and you got to mm-hmm. get into healing and health and, and, and nourishing mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and like really like saying, okay, I'm going to really try to fix myself and this is a good route to do it. Yeah. And look, if you are someone who's new here or you've been following myself or Kate for a while and you're just not sure where to start, Craig and I actually developed a uh, seven-day challenge and it's not you're going to get results in seven fucking days, but (laughs) it's just that the content is delivered over a seven-day period and we give you all the foundational tools and knowledge to actually improve your health, improve your metabolism, your hormonal imbalances, build muscle, lose body fat, you know, get healthy. So all the stuff that Kate and I've talked about, the carrot salad, the tracking, everything is all bundled up into this challenge. And it's a one-off payment of $27. You get lifetime access to the course material. So you can work through it at your own pace. Um, I'll pop a link in the show notes uh, below. And have you got anything else to add, Kate, before we finish up? No, I felt like we had a long chat. We did. That was a we? good, we got a good that, chat. Yeah, That was a good one. And uh, so as always, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram stories and you can tag myself and Kate. I'll pop Kate's Instagram handle below. Follow her, buy a book. She's amazing. And then each month I pick a winner and they get a tub of saturated premium collagen valued at $79. And we will see you again next time. Sounds good. Sounds good.